Previously, we have done an overview of these superficial back muscles, but now in today's dissection, we want to get into them in detail. After cleaning off the surfaces, much as we did in the anterior chest area, the fiber direction of all of these superficial back muscles can be readily seen. All of these back muscles also receive their innervation from the areas that we have previously dissected, namely the brachial plexus. Here, for example, we see the latissimus dorsi. And the latissimus dorsi arises from the spines of the lower six thoracic vertebrae and through this very heavy, dense fascia called the thoracolumbar fascia, as well as to the back of the sacrum and the adjacent uh, portion of the pelvis. Uh, from there, the muscle fibers pass upward around the side of the chest and eventually turning the corner to insert into the intertubercular groove of the humerus on its anterior side, latissimus dorsi muscle. Its partner of the opposite side can also be seen, and again, fiber directions passing upward, twisting around to get forward to the intertubercular groove of the humerus. This muscle, when reflected, and do this carefully, cleaning off its undersurface as well, and up near the axillary area, you will find the thoracodorsal artery, vein, and nerve. In addition to the latissimus dorsi, our most superficial uh, muscle that we have of the back that's very obvious is the trapezius. And the trapezius muscle arises here from the spines of the thoracic vertebrae, passes upward to attach to the ligamentum nuchi, which is that ligament that fills in the space of the posterior neck between the spines uh, and the more superficial structures, as well as the external occipital protuberance and along the adjacent superior nuchal line. Trapezius then gets its name from its shape. It's a narrow origin here, spreading out to form the shoulder edge and then coming down off of the scapula. It's trapezoid in shape, and uh, this muscle then attaches over to the spine of the scapula, out to the acromial process, as well as onto the adjacent clavicle. As we had noted previously, the accessory nerve comes into the anterior side of trapezius, and you can see the accessory nerve then if coming from the posterior cervical triangle and entering the muscle. This is the nerve of the trapezius. Along with it, there will be passing the transverse cervical artery and vein. In addition, however, about in its mid-portion, you will find another artery that mainly is a supply to this, the lower third of trapezius. This is a branch of the dorsal scapular artery, which is coming through a layer of muscle immediately beneath it. Some of the more familiar muscles now of the scapular area, we can easily see the spine of the scapula and attaching to it 
coming off of the shoulder area is the deltoid. Here we see the posterior fibers of the deltoid, which then turn to the middle fibers and wrap around to get to the anterior surface. Beneath that, filling in the infraspinous fossa, is the infraspinous muscle, the very large teres major muscle, and then between infraspinatus and teres major is the teres minor muscle. In order to visualize these a bit more clearly, we have to take the deltoid muscle, cut it from its attachment along the spine of the scapula and the acromion, and reflect it. And when we do, we see the axillary nerve and the posterior circumflex humeral blood vessels. Axillary nerve, posterior circumflex humeral are the structures that supply and innervate the deltoid muscle. Now when we go back to look at the infraspinatus again, we can see its origin is from basically the entire area of the infraspinous fossa. And it is a muscle that arises not only from fascia that covers it, and that's why the fuzzy appearance is shown on its superficial surface. But as you reflect the muscle from bone, you could see the bony attachment from approximately the medial three-quarters of this infraspinous fossa. And as this muscle is reflected, we see passing from beneath the spine of the scapula from the anterior side, arteries, veins, and nerves coming into this area. And this is the suprascapular artery, vein, and nerve, supplying the infraspinous muscle. In addition, there is on this specimen only a small artery and vein. This is the circumflex scapular branch of the subscapular artery. Here then we can easily see the teres minor muscle. It is supplied from the front, from its anterior surface, uh, by a branch of the axillary nerve. And as you see, it's passing forward to go to the greater tubercle of the humerus. And beneath it, the very large teres major muscle receiving a branch from the posterior cord of the brachial plexus, one of the subscapular nerves, and it will wind around forward and attach uh, also onto the humerus. In addition to these muscles, we have another muscle that attaches above the spine of the scapula, supraspinatus muscle. The supraspinatus muscle arises from the medial two-thirds of the supraspinous fossa. And when we reflect it, again, we can see small muscle fasciculi still attached to the bone. And as we pull the 
muscle forward here, the suprascapular nerve, and the suprascapular artery and vein. Here is a very good example of a ligament that is crossing the scapular notch, and this is the transverse scapular ligament. Again, we'll just put this back in place, and as we reflect it, everything is coming in from its deep or anterior side. So all of these muscles that we have looked at now uh, need to be reflected in order to see their blood and nerve supply. There's another group of muscles that attach to the medial portion, the medial border of the scapula. This is the rhomboid group, and the rhomboid muscles, as you see, are extending basically from the back of the neck area downward onto the whole vertebral border of the scapula. The largest of this group is a muscle called the rhomboidus major. Again, the spine of the scapula, the vertebral border, and all the way along the vertebral border, adjacent to the infraspinous fossa, is the rhomboid major muscle. The rhomboid major muscle arises from the spines of the second through fifth thoracic vertebrae and insert along this portion of the vertebral border. Immediately above it is a smaller muscle that is a muscle that arises about one or two segments above this, so at about uh, the spines of C7 to uh, thoracic 1. And this muscle fiber group passes down to the vertebral border and attaches to it at the base of the spine. This is the rhomboid minor. And then there is one other muscle that attaches originates from the transverse processes of the first three or four cervical vertebrae, and it will pass downward to attach to the vertebral border adjacent to the supraspinatus muscle. This is levator scapulae, and its name tells you it is an elevator of the shoulder girdle. The nerve supply to these muscles cannot be seen because these muscles need to be cut and reflected. And there you will see the dorsal scapular artery, the dorsal scapular nerve, and the dorsal scapular vein. And as indicated before here, we do have a branch of dorsal scapular artery going through rhomboid to supply the lower one-third of the trapezius muscle. After the rhomboids are cut, reflected, as well as the levator scapulae, you will then be able to uh, look at the undersurface, the costal surface of the scapula, and see serratus anterior, which originates from the entire vertebral border of the scapula, but deep underneath this edge of the rhomboids. And also, you will be able to view more clearly the subscapularis muscle. All of these muscles, then, should be known in detail 
In other words, being able to describe the muscle, and for a description we require the origin, insertion, action, nerve supply, and blood supply when it is specific to that muscle or to a muscle group. This is true not only for these superficial back muscles, but also for all of those of the pectoral group that we have already seen. After the limb is removed or reflected by cutting the rhomboids, we will have a complete exposure of the deep back muscles, which we now want to discuss. In order to visualize the deep back muscles, all of the superficial back muscles that have been studied already need to be reflected in order that we can see the full expanse extending from the sacrum and pelvis posteriorly and inferiorly upward towards the head area. Trapezius needs to be reflected in its entirety as well as the rhomboid group of muscles. The deep back muscle group is a very primitive group of muscles in that they are not individualized and separated as clearly as those which we have studied already. They are not innervated by the branches of the brachial plexus or in fact from any plexus. For all of these deep back muscles receive their innervation through posterior branches of the spinal nerves not the anterior branches that form the plexuses and swing around through the front of the thorax via the intercostal nerves. The deep back muscles are important in dentistry, of course, because these are the ones that start to weaken uh, over years of practice of bending over the dental chair and eventually uh, muscular problems in the low back region as well as in the vertebral area itself. Uh, become apparent. Notice now that we have muscles arising from this area of the sacrum and of the pelvis, and these fibers are passing up, not clearly delineated, but here attaching to ribs, going further up and attaching to ribs, and all of these broad, non-separable muscle fibers are of a group that will be passing from an origin below to a rib insertion above and spanning anywhere from 6 to 12 vertebral segments. The closer we get to the midline, the shorter these segments become. And here we see a group of muscle fibers attaching directly into the spine of the various vertebrae rather than over to the side at the rib area. And also, the deeper we go in, the shorter are the expanse of these muscles. So that here, deep within, we have a group of muscle fibers that are only going possibly four to six segments. And if we would remove these, we would see other groups of muscles that are going only one to two or one to three segments. So that the further in we get to, and closer to the bone, uh, the shorter are the segments. These date back muscles are very important in rotary movements of the vertebral column. Side to side bending, twisting, uh, straightening of the spine are all of the actions. 
Now, when you twist with the pelvis uh, being maintained in a solid position, and we twist our shoulders around to either the right or the left side, all of this action is going on through individual vertebrae. But each vertebrae cannot move significantly on the one above it or below it. But a twist of one will be reflected through the entire length of the column. And then when that one on top of it is rotated, we can get further and further bending so that those deep muscles very close to the vertebrae will be only acting on one or two segments, twisting them or bending them to the side. Whereas these muscles, which we see here, the long ones that are going from six upwards to 10 or 12 segments, uh, will be having a broader action uh, for the movement of the vertebral column. In addition to this, there's one other muscle that you should look at very deep within. It is in the loin area, and as we reflect the muscle mass of this deep group of the extensors, we see this, which is called the quadratus lumborum muscle, arising from the posterior portion of the pelvis and passing upward to attach to the lower part of the 12th rib. This is a stabilizing muscle uh, for the lower chest area, uh, and it is a respiratory muscle in that it does stabilize the lower ribs uh, during inspiration. As we move upward towards the head, we can see at the base of the skull some very flat muscles which have the name of splenius. These muscles pass to the skull, and also some of the fibers swing around and go deeply into the neck vertebrae. These two are deep back muscles. One other and the final muscle that we want to look at is this one here. This is the posterior superior serratus muscle. We have seen the anterior serratus muscle attaching to the vertebral border of the scapula. This is the posterior superior serratus. It is a stabilizer of the upper ribs, and it has a mate lower down near the 12th rib that has been removed in order to show the deep back dissection. This basically completes our study of the muscles that attach to the scapula and of the deep group. What I want you to realize about the deep group is that these muscles act as stringers, as tie rods extending from one major bony element to another. I do not expect that you learn these in detail in terms of origin or insertion, but you should realize that they span long distances, 6 to 10 or 12 segments, shorter distances, about half that length, and then deeply within, close to the bone, one, two, or only three segments. As you have been studying all of this anatomy, as well as the more superficial muscles of the pectoral area and the superficial muscles of the back, uh, you should have been demonstrating the action of trying to make the muscle bulge on yourself. You've been listening to a presentation from the University of Michigan School of Dentistry, which is dedicated to supporting open learning and open educational resources. This recording is licensed under the Creative Commons. It may be reused and redistributed for nonprofit use. 
Please attribute materials to the University of Michigan School of Dentistry and redistribute under this same license. For more information on how this and other University of Michigan School of Dentistry recordings may be used, visit www.dent.umich.edu slash license.